0: We're back, GPS to God, so glad that you're here. We're happy to be here, reaching out again. We, we break new ground a lot. I mean, I guess you do that with a new podcast. And you're 50 episodes in. We're 50 episodes in. How <laughs> new can you be? But uh, uh, Daniel Sanders, Zach Edson, Ryan Gotro, and today we have Mr. Brad Turner. Brad, thank you for being here.
1: Welcome. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here.
0: I mean, if you're watching online on the YouTube channel, you can see... He's dressed up a little different yeah. than the rest of us. <laughs> so we're, we're going to get into his official titles. I don't even know if I can call him Brad. Yes, we're, absolutely. We're, I, we're,
1: absolutely, I insist. We're, we're
0: going to find out in a second. <laughs> but first, go to the website, gpstheguide.com. Lots of stuff you can do on there. You can email mailroom at gpstheguide.com. I don't know what else to say. Go, go there, email, visit, do cool stuff. Speaking support. of cool stuff, support. Yeah, we love your support. <laughs> We'll so interact with y'all. Absolutely. Yep. I I looked right before I came up here. Nine countries in the last week. Nine countries. Wow. Exciting stuff. Blowing up. Wow. Blowing up. So worldwide. Worldwide. <laughs> so. But speaking of blowing up worldwide, famous, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> we're we're going we build it up big. We'll let people make their own judgments. <laughs> yeah, we build it enough. up big.
0: Brad is the commissioner of the Department of Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. Right. For that's a state lot of, of letters. Tennessee.
1: You got it. Is. That's why everybody just says D-I-D-D. They shorten it <laughs> Let me exponentially. D-I-D-D. Yes, there we, we go. are yeah. a department full of acronyms because of that. Yeah. and But, yeah, that's us. He
0: works for the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That That's pretty high, pretty fancy, I think. I'll never be there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> You never say never. God <laughs> yeah. opens unique doors sometimes. You never know.
0: Don't let him fool you. He's fancy too. He's okay. <laughs> no, no he, he hobnobs with. Oh come yeah. on, come rich on. Rich and famous. He rich okay. and famous.
1: Yes. Makes I sense.
0: I know a lot of low people in high places. Yeah, that <laughs> works. It's good. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it works. But uh, a state commissioner is that mm-hmm. like the? What? How do people address you typically?
1: Generally, com- Commissioner Turner. Yeah, but it's it's I I don't. I don't associate titles with value. I right. think sometimes yes. we put too much on in Absolutely, that I mean. yeah. Think about who we worship was born in a stable.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. and he's the Savior of the world. Yeah. So I think sometimes when we get too caught up in titles, it creates that sort of appearance that, well, I've got to defer to that individual, and you don't. Right. So that's yeah. why I insist that everybody, you know, call me Brad just Happens to be my role as commissioner, yeah. So I'm gonna do the same thing with you guys. You're welcome to say whatever's comfortable, <laughs> but is. It, don't, don't leave it's, it open to Ron, he'll, well, he'll call you But something. it's hard, <laughs> sir. Commissioner, that, that's <laughs> his royal highness, and things like that. Sorry, yeah. I messed up. No, it's all good. <laughs> They, do, do you have uh, a ring I'm supposed to kiss? <laughs> no, no, it's nothing like the Godfather or anything like that. It's not, it's not that deep. But um, yeah, awesome. I mean, lots of times it'll just be commissioner from a formal perspective. Right. But I'm Brad to everybody. It's awesome.
0: That's, that's the easiest one to remember. So. <laughs> yes. I like it. Um, I mean, what is a state commissioner? I, yeah. I mean, we're going to get into your personal sure. story and stuff, sure. but let's get all these formalities out. What right. is a state yeah. commissioner? Because so, I have no idea.
1: Yeah, and it's a great question because a lot of folks don't know. I mean, they know that we work for the state, but they don't really understand a lot of what that entails. So in, in my particular role, um, our department is, I think the the newest department that's been added to the state as far as a cabinet-level position uh, in the state since we're only about 12 years old. So our department historically had been housed under mental health. Uh, a lot of different states and really the country have associated uh, intellectual developmental disabilities with mental health challenges. So you had uh, really some legacy programs that addressed intellectual developmental disabilities that have historically just been housed under mental health. So in 2010, I think it was right as Governor Bredesen was leaving, Governor Haslam was coming in, they established the department of intellectual developmental disabilities as a cabinet level position. And so I'm the third commissioner, um, that has the privilege to serve in that position. So as a result of that, you become a commissioner, that's the appointee by the governor to help kind of lead from an administrative level, um, the state department. And so we're, we're one of the bigger state departments in, in Tennessee, but, um, it's all built around, you know, hopefully serving the most vulnerable and making sure that they can live the lives that they've envisioned for themselves and creating a space that they can thrive. So that's really what our purpose and passion is, to make sure that we're doing that. And as commissioner, I get to help kind of execute that, oversee some of the strategies there, and really drive that home to people that you can be what you want to be. And yeah. you don't have to listen to what society negatively you know, projects onto you about your abilities based on your disability. So really excited about what I get to do. It's been a huge blessing and a huge honor to do it. I know you
3: said you got appointed by by the governor. Does mm-hmm. that mean every time the governor rotates over, you stand to let let them appoint someone new? Can or yeah, can, 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 can you
0: stay? Can you get ushered out?
1: Yeah, yeah can you one hundred percent can get ushered out the door. Yeah, so it's a, it's very much an appointment that's made by the governor. That's who we report to. So there are some folks that that had were under Governor Haslam mm-hmm. previously and are still serving under Governor Lee. But yes, the expectation is the new governor gets to choose the people that are going to be on their cabinet to serve around them. And there's kind of that unwritten understanding. If your time comes up, it's not an expectation that you're staying on. Right. It's it's up to them. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's always a possibility with any of us, gotcha. but you know, thankfully we're only halfway through, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <just yet. laughs> there is an election coming up. There is. That yeah. One. Get out and vote. Yeah. Early voting is open right now. We want everybody voting.
0: There it is. That may not be the last uh, push, but. That's right. That, that, got to get the first one. We're six minutes in. We yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might have been three minutes overdue. Right. Um, cabinet. You mentioned the cabinet. Mm-hmm. So we understand, like, on the, the president of the United States, and they have a cabinet. Yeah. This is kind of
1: the same thing on mm-hmm. a state level? It's exactly the same thing. So you've got executive-level positions that run each of the state departments. So there's about 24 different State departments and individuals that serve on the cabinet that, that have been appointed by the governor, a few of them have a, a couple different titles um, than commissioner, but the vast majority of, of the individuals that are on the cabinet serve in a commissioner role. So the way the state constitution is written and the way that it's been established, that's, that's what the cabinet is. It's got... All the commissioners, the folks that run the different state departments, then he's also got certain senior advisors that fall into that category. But it's the exact same makeup. Obviously, you got different titles and different departments in the federal level, but it's the exact same makeup for Governor Lee and any of the, the preceding and succeeding governors or on how their cabinet's kind of structured.
3: can't even imagine, like coming in as a governor now, Hearing you say like all these appointments, it's like okay, I got to think about all these people and who's going to fill that role.
1: And it happens in a really fast turnaround time. I mean, when Governor Lee was elected in November, he had to have a cabinet appointed by January (laughs) twentieth. So, and you're not just talking about positions; you just pick your your just handpick somebody out of a hat. It's it's there's some thought that goes into it and. Um, the transition can be just as tough as, I think, starting to implement your administration and your plans because you got to get that done first right. before you can really move forward with what you're, you're setting out as your agenda. So I remember as soon as – I think it started the morning after. I think about 7 in the morning they started the transition after he was elected. In 2019, they immediately set up shop in uh, the old part of the Capitol um, in the, uh, under the Tennessee Tower and went to work. Every day, trying to make sure the transition was going to be as smooth as possible. Yeah, it's things you don't think it's about a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be I hard, even yeah. for a
0: state level politician. Yeah, you're not going to know people necessarily for all of mm-hmm. those different yeah. cabinet positions. Yeah.
1: it's it's why it's unbelievably important to have people around you that you can trust to make really big decisions and hard decisions in your absence quickly or make those <laughs> recommendations to you pretty quickly to say yeah. we believe this individual or that individual would be best served you know would best serve you in your administration here or this area and and it happens quick and and um, I I'm trying to remember a fact I think I was the second to last or third to last commissioner that was appointed and I got appointed and then turned and submitted my two-week notice to my company, went to the inauguration, was technically sworn in there, and then had to go back to my other job on that <laughs> next Tuesday. And people were just like, I just saw you on TV. TV. Like, this is really weird. And I was like, yeah. But, yeah, I think I was the second to last or third to last of the wave of, of announcements and then individuals that were appointed to commissioner roles. Yeah, it was kind of wild. Wow. Yeah. It's a great God story, though, when we get to that point. I I want you and your listeners and folks that are paying attention to follow me on how the Lord works when you don't see it. And a lot of people, some people know my story. A lot of people don't know it. It's a pure God. I I can't stress that enough to people on how I got this was 100% the Lord's work.
3: Well, we talk about it on here all the time of like, you know, when you're going through something and it's like, oh, you're, you're praying or you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're hopeful of some event to occur. Yeah. And then when you're in the middle of the valley, you don't see it. But then when yeah. you come out the other side, you look back and you're like, oh, God damn, it no, 100%. It's so. unequivocally yeah.
1: that. I mean, in, in, especially in our space, and, and I know we'll get to it through the course of the conversation, but just the things that happen. I, I, I tell people all the time, I don't I don't believe in chance. I believe in divine appointment and the Lord guiding people's steps. I just don't think, you know, wow, it's crazy that you were there at that right time. I just, as a man of faith, I just, I can't get there. I don't believe in coincidence based on chaos in the world. I don't think just good (laughs) things just happen by chance. Right. I think there's got to be an author to that, that even in the confusion.
0: Yes, absolutely. Same thing we've talked about. There is no coincidence if, you know, God created the entire universe. Yeah. He loved us enough to create us in His image. That's right. Why is he just going? Well, Tuesday, you're on your own. Yes. Whatever happens, yeah. happens <laughs> you know, it's, Doesn't work that way. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You you spoke about people paying attention. Mm-hmm. Feel free to kick Ryan under the table. Yeah. Or something. Ow. if he dozes I'm off. Listening. Right, right. got to tell him <laughs> to tighten up here. He yeah.
1: just kind of like drift and he bounces his head off the mic. Like, then yeah. we'll then we'll know for sure. Yeah. He's the only person
4: mm. that's
3: been accused of being asleep
0: <laughs> in, in
1: the middle of here. <laughs> He didn't deny so it very tired. hard. <laughs> it
0: was a late night that night. Yeah,
4: it's all right. I don't take it personal. That's why we're doing it earlier in the day now. <laughs> well, when you you know
0: we we've moved up a little bit, and when you get with these you know cabinet officials I don't and whatnot, you gotta
4: they don't come to our schedule. We got to go to theirs. Yeah, no, that's it's you're starting at the very
1: bottom of that cabinet thing. It's, <laughs> it, it's once you keep climbing, then that might matter. Hey, but not right now. We got our foot in the door. That's, <laughs> that's all it, we right? need. That's, that's, it. It. that's true. That's true. That's it.
0: How many commissioners did you say there uh, are? Or there's cabinet? about 20,
1: 22 or 24 different cabinet-level commissioners or or directors. Uh, and then you've got senior advisors that are around the governor. So anytime we're in a cabinet meeting, I mean, the room's pretty full. You probably have 30-ish people in the room at the same time that are some sort of senior level, depending on running a department or policy advisor or chief operating officer. Um, but it's, it's very interesting – just hear, hear different stories. You're all in that same fight, but everybody has a different path they're having to take based on their areas of responsibility, right? And so it's interesting to hear, you know, as we came through COVID, how did it impact <laughs> your department compared to mine? And there's a lot of departments that impacted entirely different and, and to, frankly, a quite less of a serious degree than it did – our population and folks that we have the privilege to support. So, you know, you I think you kind of reflect and look back after that to say, wow, we went through a lot of stuff together. So I think there's that common bond that, you know, it's it's I think it's the same probably in men pastors' roles. Other pastors know what your pastor's going through. And it's hard for him to project to the congregation sometimes, man, I'm having it rough because I had ten people call me that that are are contemplating suicide. Yeah. We can empathize, but we can't get it. Yeah. And and so it's kind of nice to have some folks around you that you can bounce things off of. Like I've got to choose between this or this, and neither one of them are going to be good, you know. But you got to make the decisions, and I think that's where praying for wisdom and knowledge and just you know some sort of discretion and things like that matter from a position of of my own faith and how I lead. That that you you got to get it right. And the only way to do that is take it to the Creator, as you said, and figure out. Give me the wisdom and people around me that can can provide some counsel.
3: Yeah, but it's much easier to hear from people that are walking the same walk that you've walked, right? Yep. Versus,
1: yep. you know, like what you were
3: saying about a pastor, right? Like you can say, "Oh, I know what you're going through," but it's mm-hmm. much different when you know that person is
1: in that's the, right is in the trenches as that's well. That's right. So, yeah, yeah, we we talk about that all the time. I mean, I think one of the the neat comparisons that that i had talked to somebody about i mean you look at it just from the, the role of of president you know more often than not the previous president doesn't criticize the new one yeah because they've been there and they're like look it's never what you just think it is there's 95 percent of stuff you don't see and and both of the previous commissioners in my role have said whatever we can do to help let us know because we know what you're we sat there you know and <laughs> and it's nice to have some some folks that that are back there you can kind of go to and say look you know what this is about give me some sound counsel you know and and so that's nice absolutely
0: this may be a a dumb question i don't know but is it possible for a commissioner to be replaced even by the same governor that appointed them? oh
1: yeah It, it has happened multiple times in in our four years here yeah and and sometimes it's it's individuals. I mean, they they make their own decisions to say, hey, we're moving back to the private sector or, or there's other decisions that go into that. The governor might need them in another area that has now presented itself. I mean, think about it three years ago if we said, hey, we're going to go through a global pandemic, and and but we're kind of understaffed in Department of Health. Like now, all of a sudden, three years later, you start looking at saying, wow, we really need more expertise or leadership mm-hmm. in these areas. So there, there can be some moving parts there where certain people are moved to different areas. But yeah, you can... He could call me on the way home, say, Hey, I love you, but we're <laughs> yeah. moving in a different direction. And and I would just be like, Thank you. And I enjoyed it. And well, that's it. it. But yeah. Let, I, me, I, let I, me help the next guy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, Tell me what to do to help. Yeah. And it could be because we need you here or, or we're moving you into this. But yeah, it's happened, but it, it doesn't always happen. You, at that level, at, at some point, you don't want to create a fear factor either. So right. it's, it's, they're very strategic in those. Conversations and understanding that if we're making a move or something like that, it, it there's got to be some real reasons behind it that can help then stabilize some and and you know kind of squash some of those concerns. We we don't
0: want you to lose this role that you are, are thriving yeah. in. Yeah. But if the governor calls, let's put him on the air. I mean, yeah. we have that <laughs> capabilities. <laughs> so, you know, we'll I'll do it. I'll <laughs> ask him. Yeah. Hey, I know you're getting rid of me, but
1: can you actually <laughs> yeah. talk to these? My guys? one last thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, just I don't
3: know. So like, what's yeah. the next? rung up? So like your commissioner, then what's mm-hmm. the aspirations of like what you would do next?
1: It, it's really dependent on what you want to do. I mean, right. it, at some point, you know, it then becomes, do you want to run for elected office? Because, you know, your your natural step now would be, do you move somewhere on senior staff or or if you're driven by by public service and you want to run for office, do you make a decision then to go do that? And And more often than not, it's uh, you know, um, Randy Boyd ran for governor last time, and he was a commissioner before that. And, and um, Commissioner Jim Bryson, who's under or over fiscal and administrative services right now, was previously a gubernatorial candidate 16 years ago. So it just kind of depends on the individual what you want to do. But a lot of the folks that serve in these roles ultimately go back to the private sector. And, you know, they've, they've done their public service and they're wanting now to move on to, to a private sector role. Um, because of expertise that that they've had in state government, it becomes an unbelievably sought-after experience. Mm -hmm. People want to know, well, how do we navigate government? How do we navigate state? How do we navigate federal? And so those positions become, I think, more attractive because more and more people are calling, like, you've got 15 years at state level. That's a major Mm -hmm. bonus for what we're trying to do and how we navigate what needs to happen inside government, inside our roles as as entrepreneurs and whatever. So it really depends on the individual, what, what they want to do. Um, you know, but for me, it's, it's always been, okay, what does the Lord want me to do next? It's Brad has his own interests, yeah. but what does the Lord want to do? Because more often than not, I'd screw that up. <laughs> and I, I've learned I that the hard way. Yeah. I've had, I,
0: I have had some great plans Yeah, in yeah. my own mind, right? <laughs> yeah wasn't really God's plan. <laughs> right, even. that's right.
1: And, and I think that's all part of a spiritual discipline you have to achieve at some point. And unfortunately, a lot of it doesn't happen until you've crashed and burned. Yeah, and right. just in our own humanness, you create a narrative for yourself as, well, I can figure this out. It's just this decision. It's just that decision. And even in our roles, there's some comparisons there that a lot of folks don't realize. The decision that you make down here, I may have to answer for five rungs up because we were wrong. So, did you think it out? Did you talk about it? How did you strategize? How did you get to that conclusion? You know, the same thing for me is in my career path and in my own faith journey. You know, did you seek the right counsel from godly people around you? Did you pray about it? Did you really want to listen to the Lord, or did you hear the answer that you were hoping you'd hear because you interpreted His answer to that's what I wanted? Yeah. And then you move from that, and that is very dangerous, I think, for us as believers to say, "I think I heard what I wanted to hear from Him. Good mm-hmm. enough for me." Yeah, and thankfully right. in His grace, sometimes it works, <laughs> but more right. often than not, when I'm left to my own vice, it's it's a catastrophic failure. <laughs> You're
4: right. right. Is there ever times where like a commissioner might have more than one role as like more than one department?
1: Yeah, it's funny you said that because the first commissioner in this department actually served uh, as commissioner for two departments, which is the height of absurdity <laughs> given right. the layers okay. of responsibility. So Jim Henry who was the deputy to Governor Haslam when when this department was established, became the first commissioner of DIDD and also the commissioner of the Department of Children's Services. Unbelievably hard positions, very challenging. You're dealing with a lot of vulnerable populations that you have to get it right because there are vulnerable children counting on you and there are Tennesseans with disabilities counting on you. And he did both. I still have no idea how he did that. But the answer is yes, but okay. he's the only one that I'm aware of that has ever been put in that position. Okay. Because you just can't. I mean yeah. it's 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 and I've shared this with Ashley and other people on our team if if you're serving two masters you're serving none. And yeah. at that point you have to pick where does my attention go? It's it's no different right. than relationships, you know, if I've got a spouse if I'm not paying attention I'm paying attention to something else and that becomes your master, you know, and and you could you just couldn't do it. I mean, a right. lot of the departments are our, our department, you know, we're close to nineteen hundred people, of, wow. over a billion dollar budget. You know, wow. I, I couldn't I couldn't do that. Even if it was a super tiny yeah. department yeah. that's just like you gotta be there at meetings, it would be <clears throat> darn near impossible. We we laughed today because I, I was telling Ashley and her husband on the way over Anytime my door opens at work, it's like the bat signal goes off, <laughs> like he's here. And and everybody comes running in about, I got to get there first, you know, and I love it. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But thinking about that and thinking about, well, you got another department you got to manage, I, it would just be, man, I don't know how anybody would even be right. able to think about doing that.
4: I just didn't know if y'all had policies in that said you could not do more than one role. No, I think
1: it's up to, you know, kind of how the current administration would do gotcha. things because there, there's, there's been things that, that have been blended. Like the division of 10 care actually falls under the department of fiscal and administrative services. So the division of 10 care is massive serving over a million people in Tennessee, um, huge budget, but they actually poured up to another department. So right. their director really couldn't be the commissioner of that department because he would be in charge of their funding like it's so there there are some nuances to it that you do want to keep layers of accountability kind of separate to say well that's just your space and not that and let's get somebody else to do that cool
0: yeah and, yeah. and i mean you you've already talked about how things have changed and evolved um out of state growth population mm-hmm. growth financial growth covid and other things but yeah i mean departments could be added Mm -hmm. blended Mm -hmm. stuff like that obviously yeah Yeah. and they
1: and they were I mean we came from another department um but then in in the their wisdom they saw the need to actually accelerate splitting us off of department of mental health and and acknowledging And, and I think there was something to the public visibility of that that Tennesseans with intellectual developmental disabilities saw that they were being recognized really for the first time and and that's something we'll touch on a little bit later. We're, we're less than 10 years removed from where those same individuals would be housing institutions. And I've got a lot of stories around how those folks were treated and some of the things that would just make, you know, your, your head hurt with agony for people about how they were treated. And we're not that far removed from it. Um, so my goal has been to accelerate as fast as we can away from that and never look to go backwards when you treat people outside of the scope of how the Lord sees them through their own dignity. What are we doing to make sure that people acknowledge that same dignity and how we see people? And and that's just the direction we've been going.
0: I, I do wanna say for people watching Ashley has been mentioned by name a couple mm-hmm. times. She is your executive assistant. Is yes. that the right title? She's just off camera, so you yep. can't see her, but we're not we're not talking to our imaginary friend over there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Feel free to chime in. Yeah, if, if she'd be great. Something.
1: She'd be a great addition yeah. to any of these conversations. We
0: we will get her over here <laughs> one day, maybe. <laughs> but uh, you've kind of talked about a little you know, just uh, touching on some of the history of people being in institutions mm-hmm. and whatnot, but today what are some common disabilities common disabilities that you all are working with
1: well that's a good question because we're actually in the process of figuring out how do we expand some of that service delivery because historically what has happened is our department it's what's called waiver services and so individual you guys are obviously familiar with medicare and medicaid everybody knows about it national program but around 50 something years 60 years um, under Lyndon B. Johnson, part of the Great Society, say so we got to do more government spending because that's what we do. So the waiver <laughs> no, no, no. became is is an extension of of a lot of those conversations over the past 50 years. And how do we do disability services? So it comes from CMS. So a lot of those individuals that are currently inside our waivers were individuals that that might have historically been confined to institutions or would have. Uh, disabilities that meet um, previously what would have been considered um, levels to to require institutionalized care. So you've got, um, there's about 6,500, 7,000 people that are in one of our waivers that we serve, but we serve tens of thousands of people outside of that Uh, early intervention for children that may have developmental delays, which is a major, major program inside our department that we've just started to own over the last two years it was previously with the department of education very strong believer in that my daughter actually went through that program and I I think you guys know and I'll tell your audience my daughter has intellectual developmental disabilities um, in in her own life so I'm very passionate about making sure that parents and families know that there are supports out there for you to be able to say hey my child actually might get the help that they need because it's a very lonely path to walk so you've got that. You've got uh, individuals with uh, mental health challenges that may have disabilities. Um, we work very closely with Department of Mental Health. We work closely with our um, Division of Clinical Services inside DIDD to work to meet the needs of, of Tennesseans with disabilities that also have what's called co-occurring diagnosis, a developmental disability, but also mental health challenges. Um, and really trying to penetrate that space, because mental health is a conversation nationwide. Mental health is a damaging Damaging impact right now on society, um, drug addiction because as a result of that, a lot of very challenging things that just aren't getting those needs met. So we're working on navigating a whole new spectrum of service delivery that can hopefully start expanding our reach and who we help and how we help them and why we're helping them.
3: So do you have y'all have partnerships with say? Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna use Vandy because I'm mm-hmm. in like the healthcare mecca here. Mm-hmm. But yep. like, do y'all have? Does the state then partner with local facilities, therapists, you know, what have you? Is that how that goes back and forth? Or does that put ownership on, say, the the adult over the child? Do they get yeah, some say in that? Both. Okay. It,
1: really a lot of it. So you've got uh, really the track that we've been moving more towards is what's called self-determination and independent living, person-supported practices. Um, historically what has happened is the individual would not have a say in their own care or their own life. And that's really fairly recent trend that has started to shift because when you put them in an institution, they don't have a say. It just becomes you're institutionalized, and the reason they're in that prison is because they're disabled. Mm -hmm. Like, there's something fundamentally and morally wrong about that to say you're getting a prison sentence because you can't speak because of of brain damage and all of these things. And that's what we did, and we justified it. So we work very closely with Vanderbilt, a lot of private partners. You know, my challenge to you and, and your church would be we need churches to step up and acknowledge... I think what a lot of our biblical mandates are is how are we serving these families that are in crisis? You know, we talk a lot about, you know, government doing more, needing to do more. There's a lot of spaces that government needs to do a lot less. And we need churches to step up, we need um, private institutions to step up. And that's really what we're moving towards. Governor Lee established um, a faith and policy initiative office that they're driving that conversation in the faith community about how can organizations. Uh, like Parkway and churches that believe in meeting people where they are, how can we lean on them to help step up? Um, we work with grants for uh, certain churches. Churches can um, apply for grants through through our department. There's a church that we had a conversation with that wanted to translate the Bible for children that are hearing impaired to create software and an app for them to be able to actually read the Bible and and understand what it's saying in their own language. You know, we do it for Spanish. We do it for you know, uh, Italian, you do it for different languages, but we haven't really thought about, well, how do we do it for individuals that are blind? How do we put the Bible in Braille? You know, just stuff we haven't thought about. So we're really challenging ourselves to not just understand where we've been successful as a state body, but how can we work with private partners and churches and, and communities that believe in what we're trying to do to make it even more accessible for people that live in those, you know, in those areas. What kind of ages sorry is that no, what no, kind no.
0: of age, ages do you all cover
1: Is it just children or is it three to th- 103 uh, I, there, there there's no window there I mean early intervention can start as soon as the child is born uh, and then you have services that run the entire length of an individual's life so it, there's not a window of well you got to get in by the time you're 18. There are certain programs that have age limits on them, but we've got a bunch of different programs that allow people to move into different programs based on their age. So there isn't a limit on it and, and there's not on the front end or on the back end. We're built to try to make sure that we sustain whatever, you know, independent living the individual prefers or whatever supports that they might need. If they're much more medically complex, you know, we serve folks that are on ventilators that, that require fully, dependent 24 7 care you know we make sure that we provide for them and their family so they understand their loved ones taken care of
3: i don't know how to phrase this uh but welcome to ta- my world <laughs> yeah, just wing it then uh, I'll help i was you. gonna so you know you were talking about partnering with um, the private sector mm-hmm. and then obviously churches mm-hmm. and then how is it that you know you know, we always talk about separation of like church and state, mm-hmm. and then
4: just thinking that. No, you weren't right. <laughs> know <Yeah. laughs> about like how to put you like were asleep, sleep. Like, Ryan, I yes. saw it. Ryan was state <laughs> asleep. State and church, like had like those intermin- in- intermingling.
3: Yeah, well, uh, and I don't know, like if that's like a, um, the governor says yes, that's something I'm behind. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to help that, or no, that's a topic. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to mesh. You know, uh, yeah. church and how do we help facilitate that because. Their views may be different, sure. right? And we're talking about votes and election yeah. and that yeah. type of stuff. So, is that something new, like that churches could help facilitate, or that this is just hey, under Governor Lee, is that?
1: It's it's a little bit of both. So, the governor was very clear early on when he ran that he thinks there's a lot of things that the churches and 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 private sector folks should be doing that the government historically has tried to take ownership of, and I think that's been one of the real challenges from churches as a whole the church universal is that we have ceded a lot of authority to the government that now we can't get back they've become the go to of well if you need something go to the government if you need this go to the government if you're upset go to the government and before the churches used to step into that role if you need food come to our food pantry so if you need first counseling acts, right? I mean, right that's right that's exactly that right? is exactly right And so the governor has been very passionate and very deliberate about that in understanding what the right balance is, because we know that there are certain individuals in our society that are going to need full-time care, that the government has an obligation to try to figure out how do we help serve those families. But I think a lot of that the church has kind of, we have seeded away, I think, what there's been some biblical mandate and even biblical authority for us to do as the place that families need to go and hurt in crisis. So you do always hear those conversations about, well, it's separation of church and state, and, and, and you can't blend the, the both. I mean, asking me to remove my faith from my role is like me cutting off an arm or a leg. I can't do that. And I would even argue that it's given me a more unique perspective about what grace and mercy looks like and who I serve than it would when you have someone that may be in that role that has a completely different understanding of what empathy is. There's a lot of people that think empathy are killing them in the womb because they have a disability or mercy is killing in a senior citizen because they have dementia, even if their loved ones want to take care of them. So I'm gonna get real deep on you and that may or may not be where you wanted me to go. I'm, but I think was about really that. like
3: thinking about,
1: you know, what you're able to say, yeah. what, what no, your what your faith allows you to say. It's uh, my faith. it's it's unfiltered and, and Ashley can tell you, she has to deal with it at work <laughs> all the time. I, I we we are working and, and and we are living with people that if they died tonight, where would they go? That is a very heavy burden for me to realize I've got one shot at this, that people either see me as a kingdom builder, they see me as pushing them into darkness. And so when you, when you look at it that way for me, I can't be quiet. Because I I have to tell people the story. I mean, if, if, if you've got people that are hurting themselves over and over and you see the brick that they keep stubbing their toe on, why would you not help them remove the brick? That's all I'm trying to do is say, look, I do have my own set of faith values. There are things that we can do together that my faith commands me to do, and we need you to partner with us to do it. It may be through a government program. It may be through a church. It may be through something else. But there's a lot of folks. I mean, we have had that. Well, that's separation of church and state, you know, and that's created, you know, the Constitution. Like, we get all of this because of the wall. You know, and people, you know, they, they twist the letter from Thomas Jefferson to, to the church, Bambridge Church. You know, we've heard all of that, but the governor's been very passionate about that, saying government can't do it all. And, and any time you look at a government that's ever tried to do it all, it's failed, because yeah. it can't. Right. And I think the church, in a lot of ways, has seeded that away to say, well, we can't do it. It's your responsibility. Mm. And what we need to be doing I, I I'm my challenge for me is is am i extending grace and mercy to people more than I am judgment and and point finger pointing and if the answer to that is yes then I think I'm doing okay because I'm pushing in the right direction the way my faith dictates but if it then becomes judgmental and accusatory that right. doesn't bring cling, people closer to the kingdom
3: but I think he's He's now the second person on here. I mean, I think about Adam French and wanting to get the churches more plugged in to help the community, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a place for the churches to help and assist, and are we deferring yeah. more towards the government or yeah. by then taking a step back and not not helping those in need around us?
1: Well, and I'm also even outside of this role, so I, I serve as the chairman of the board of an of a organization called the Adoption Project, and a very close friend of mine named Jeremy Harrell who... Um, felt the Lord leading him in that direction, was working, uh, had previously worked under Governor Haslam, helped run Senator Alexander's campaign, very involved in public service, um, but just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, you need to go a different direction and help in adoption policy and making sure Tennessee is the most adoption-friendly state in the country, and and a lot of things that he felt the Lord was leading him to do, and he asked me to help serve on that, and I was like, absolutely. And I think those are the things that the church needs to be more involved in, because I tell people all the time now with, with the roe versus way thing, we the dog caught the car now. So now what do we do? And I think there's an unbelievably large gap that the church could move right into to say this is what we should have been doing the whole time. Unwed mothers, single girls that are now pregnant, where do they go for help? Adoptive families, how do we create conversations around that? You know, a lot of things I think the that the Lord is trying to say, I'm giving you all these chances. What are you gonna do with it as as the body of believers, so a lot of that stuff is very important. When you strike that balance, the government and the private sector can partner. I think. I think the challenge. I, I don't buy the church versus state argument of separation. Um, that's created a lot more darkness than it has light for people.
0: All kinds of good stuff, right? The dog caught the car. There's another t-shirt. <laughs> I'm getting a t-shirt with that one. Yeah. The dog caught the car. How many t-shirts are we at now? Oh, <laughs> how many t-shirts do we have? So we have we have a website and we have the. A, a store on our website but there's nothing in the store yeah okay so we always talk about all the t-shirts large we're gonna I mean. make yeah and, uh nearly it might help pay for your editing and yeah, all that stuff yeah, near, you talked about. Ne- nearly every episode somebody has a great quote yeah right. there's a there's the next t-shirt that's it we have to come up with the first t-shirt i think we'll kind of circle back maybe to some of the work stuff yeah but but let's talk a little bit about you. Sure. Where, where'd you, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Yeah,
1: so I was born and raised in Florida. Florida. Um, my parents um, started a, a Nazarene church. I, I'm part of the denomination called Church of Nazarene. My parents started a Nazarene church um, south of Jacksonville. Um, just felt the Lord was telling them on a leap of faith to go out and take out a mortgage and a loan to buy property to, to plant a church. And they did that, and the church is still standing 50 years later. Um, And so I grew up in Florida, moved to Southwest Florida when I was 13, almost 14, um, then came to and Nazarene University here in Nashville to play baseball and got a baseball scholarship, came up here. And and then my wife uh, came up a year later on a volleyball scholarship. So I met my wife, who was also from South Florida, didn't know each other before that. We met up here and we've been together for 27 years now between dating and being married yeah wow. pure,
3: pure coincidence
1: right that's right I mean, <laughs> and here's what's even funnier about that it's an expensive date the the girl who introduced her to trevecca she met in kindergarten and they became best friends and and she kept wondering why are you only going to this school up here why are you doing it she's like well just come check you know consider it and you're right out of pure coincidence and the way that the universe works quote, unquote, <laughs> here we are wow wow <laughs>
3: So I have to ask that you were born in Florida, so does that mean you're like a, a Gator fan? Yes, or are you a kidding? A Gator. There we go. Uh, uh, there we unbelievably
1: go. in my blood. Yes, and I already deal with it with Ashley and others <laughs> at work. Let me take my shoe off and t- throw t- it at him. <laughs> yeah, it was so... He's four, thankful we were for all this LSU stuff. <laughs> you there. right. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell him the whole uh, story. Yes, but... now, I, now I'm now i really curious to hear your story. But the shoe
0: getting thrown off? No. What about your LSU. I'm like, I can tell him. Hold way. on, find the video. Yes, let's
1: not. I've seen it about... Eight hundred times for people.
0: <laughs> your your LSU connection, my LSU connection. I was born there and in lived Baton there, Rouge and lived there yeah, for how? I long? I lived in Lafayette, but okay. I lived there
4: for like six like six weeks.
0: That's his LSU <laughs> connection. We, we, but but his last name my, is fan, right? my family moved though. to New Jersey. Okay, so <laughs> go. My last name's Gotro,
4: so okay. I'm French. Yeah, by, if, if by Louisiana standards. Somehow, yeah, <laughs> Louisiana <laughs> standards. So, but
1: <laughs> yeah. whatever. That's really funny. Yeah, no, I we were 45 minutes from Gainesville, and so I've been. Orange and blue, ever since I could remember. Very it, nice. There's a yeah. few
0: other people around here that, you know, you guys would have the same jersey on. There, I like that. That's great. Not, like that. not Ashley. Yeah, She's no, not, not Ashley. Her that's, that.
1: that's a big no no. Yeah. And even my wife gave her a heads up like, if they lose, do not say, <laughs> don't say a word to him about it. I would never be mean to Ashley. I would try, and, I hopefully not be mean to her. See, the <laughs> governor. It's hard <laughs> yeah. for me. When we lose, I'm not a, I am a very much a grumpy Gus and, and, uh, Thankful for grace and mercy. <laughs>
0: Brad has to go all the way to the governor to be replaced. I don't think he has to go that high for. No, for actually, Ashley is that's way more
1: important in her role than I am in my role. Yeah. Believe me, anytime she's gone, I'm like starting to panic. Like, oh, this is going to be awful. Like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> she's been a great team member and a good friend. Uh,
0: what What year did you meet your wife? Uh, was... It's
1: fall of ninety five. Nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Yep, and we we started dating i think she had been there a week and that we never broke up and and we knew pretty early on this is probably going to be permanent
0: had to get this one off the market That was it. it. yeah
1: and and she even her mom knew after a month her mom came up to see her freshman year and we laugh about this story all the time and and she said she went home and told her her husband at the time this is who she's going to marry and he was just like she'd been there three weeks yeah. and we met. I met him over Christmas that year in 95, and he was like, I think you might be right, and then unfortunately he passed away of an aneurysm a month after I proposed, so at least he got to see her engaged, and then he had a really catastrophic event that, that uh, I mean, it ha- life happens. I'm just right. glad he got to see her engaged yeah. and got to hear about it. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was all God's plan and, and his wisdom I've needed her. She's been an unbelievable partner. He
0: might have been questioning, "What do they do at orientation?" There? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's Rebecca, right. right. <laughs> pretty good. That's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Boy, they are matching them up. That's Quick. right.
1: That's right. So, n- stay here after graduation. Yeah. But, okay. We never went home. Um, we found a church, Concord Community Church uh, of the Nazarene in Brentwood, that I started at when it was previously Whispering Hills when I was eighteen. Just never left. I mean, we had our friends up here. We were very connected and involved in church. Uh, It was important for Rebecca to experience that same thing about that connectivity at church and a friend group and development. And, and my parents were in Florida my grandparents and her mom and dad were, or her parents were in Florida and her grandparents were down there. And and I think at some point they got, they realized, look, they're not coming back and it was great for us. And and I've always told a lot of these young folks like, well, I want to go back home. Well, it's not the same. It just, it's not the same. And, and it wouldn't have been the same for us. And I'm, I'm, we made the right decision we're really connected and and we're remember pitching a fit when rent went up from like 325 to 375 (laughs) thinking all this is egregious and how dare they raise rent this much you know as newlyweds and all that stuff and uh so i look back pretty fondly on the rent rent and mortgages of of the time but yeah it was yeah we were going to stay here and it, it was perfect for us we love tennessee tennessee's home
0: I don't know if you could have an application fee that was $375. Oh, I know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right? We laugh
1: about it all the time. When we tell some of these young folks at church, you know, we're finding out what they're having to, to pay. You know, what, so you Was it, it south of town,
3: like Brentwood, Franklin? But, no,
1: it was actually off of Briley Parkway. <laughs> and and uh, we worked over there, so it was even even better sure. because uh, we were two miles from work, each of us working in different mm-hmm. spaces. And, I'm like, it's never going to get better. I mean, we're in a nice apartment because mm-hmm. it's, it's – God, it's, it doesn't say apartment B on the. When uh, people mail us a letter, we don't <laughs> say it. we're in an apartment, and we thought we had we had made it. At yeah. that point, we had made it. But yeah, it was at Briley Parkway, and then we moved to Smyrna, bought a house in Smyrna nineteen years ago, and have lived in the same house ever since. Yeah,
3: Smyrna has changed a lot. That's, I, I, that's oh, what
1: man. I was yeah. going to say. It's not, it, it's not the same. It is not so, the same. Um, I and mean, let's not even talk about twenty four traffic. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she I text her all the time. So look, I'm stuck. Just. Yeah. Well, if you need me, call me. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. So, <laughs> Worst yeah.
0: interstate in the city by far. It's, it doesn't well, even have to be I anything wrong. I want to say now. that Nothing at one time them.
1: when they were looking at interstate challenges across the country, 24 was in the top ten as far as accidents. <laughs> and and you, I remember one time I flew to Chicago quicker than I made it from Smyrna to Nashville, <laughs> which is 100 agree. think about what I said right yeah, there. Yeah. Like, it just, I was so mad on the plane. And I told somebody it was next to me it was from Nashville. I said we just made it here quicker than I would from my house in Smyrna. Nice. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, for and those that was of probably five six years. <laughs> <ago>. <laughs> for those of you
0: not from the area, Smyrna <laughs> and Nashville are fifteen miles apart. Twenty <laughs> right. miles. Probably I closer mean, to twenty. Yeah, yeah, twenty miles apart. <laughs> not not very far. Uh, yeah. But time wise, you better pack a lunch. Yeah, a that's lunch. right. Your wife, uh, 27 years, Mm -hmm. you said?
1: Been together 27 years, yeah. We've been married 23. 23.
0: And you you talked about your daughter a a little bit, Kinsley. Mm -hmm. How old is she?
1: She'll be 16 in December. 16. Yeah, which is just hard to believe. It Goes quick. It does. I just can't believe it.
0: Ryan just had a new baby. I did, oh, wow. I did. Congratulations. So. She's a little over two months old now. Yeah. That's, so why he's he's sleep That's why he's asleep over here. Now I'm going
1: to really give him some grace yeah. here because it's making yeah. a whole lot more sense yeah. about why he's tired. Appreciate that. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, you talked about some of the uh, – Think she has to deal with? What specifically this yeah. Kinsley have so to deal with? So
1: before, about two to four weeks before she was born, she had a massive stroke in the womb that we did not know about. So she had a massive one on the left side of her brain and a couple of smaller ones on the right side of her brain. Um, and again, I mean, it's, it's all part of, you know, the Lord's always present even in the dark times. And we did not know anything happened. It happened to be my wife's water broke one night. Um, it was a green color because there was merconium. It's called merconium. There's waste in in the water, and that's a bad sign. And so she called her her doctor, and she's like, "Get to the hospital. You're not going home." And so um, we get to the hospital. They're like, "Your daughter's in distress." We had we didn't know what that meant. Is she? We just didn't know what that meant. So we do an emergency C-section, and and Kinsley's born, and all of that. And you know, as we're in the process of that. I'm there in the room thinking, oh, that's great. You know, she's not crying. Okay, okay, maybe she's just not crying. You know, having no idea what that meant. But what that meant was her lungs were so asphyxiated with liquid and fluid from her waist because her body was in stress and shock from the stroke that she couldn't get air to, to cry. So when I took her down to the NICU, They were like, don't stop to talk to anybody. Don't look at anybody. Just get to the door. And I I thought, okay. You know, I didn't know what any of that stuff meant. And when I got to the NICU, the doctor met me there, and there were some other nurses. And I kind of gave Kinsley to them, and the doctor said, you know, hey, we'll know in two hours whether or not she survives. And I was like, excuse me? In my head, and they just slammed the door. And I just immediately went to the chapel and just started praying because Rebecca was still in surgery. And I was thinking, how in the world do I tell her Kinsley's dead? before she gets out of the c-section when she just saw her 30 minutes ago
0: and we talked about your family both families being in florida yes and this was a quick thing yeah. So and it was in the middle were... of the
1: night i mean her water broke at 1 well, 30 in the morning we were at the hospital by 2 15 i mean it wasn't like it was right now at, at you know two o'clock in the afternoon it was yeah. it was in the middle of the night and and everybody is far away from you and so we're trying to navigate you know, at that time, there's no FaceTime. There's, there's, you're not, you're calling and hoping to catch somebody and, yeah. and, you know, we're calling from phones in the hospital and all that. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it immediately went south pretty quickly for, for me trying to figure out, okay, what in the world's going on here? Um, and so Kinsley, as a result of that stroke, um, has cerebral palsy. She's nonverbal. She ep- has epilepsy um is also has what's called right side neglect cannot use the right side of her body because of the damage that was on the stroke uh on on her left side of her brain so she she can't use her right arm right leg she can't walk we've had she's had five six half a dozen surgeries fixing her hips because of some of the challenges with the brain damage um but that so that created just a whole entire journey for us that we weren't ever anticipating going down and so that's kind of a little bit of Kinsley's story, but that's just the surface of it. That's the, that's the early on part and, like, what do we do? What is this even going to look like? And we still navigate it. I mean, yeah. we still navigate it. I've got arthritis from having a carrier. I've got bad back. I've got headaches. I've got migra I mean, it, it's a never-ending cycle of challenges for you, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that's Okay. You just work to navigate it, and that's where I tell people, man, if you don't have strong faith and you've got surface-level faith, you'll find out really quickly whether it's of substance or it's not. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, you know, I grew up in the church, and and I had that base. But you don't find out about yourself sometimes until crisis. And is your faith really what you think it is? Um, But more importantly, God always shows you who he is in those circumstances, and that's exactly what happened to us.
3: I couldn't have said that any better. I mean, when you, go, when you go through things, and then, you know, I think about the people that don't have faith. And yeah. like when some tragedy hits, where do they go? And I could see how depression or how they get off, you know, a woe's me, like, mm-hmm. why is this ha- But like you said, when you find out how strong your faith is. But
1: you go through that. I, I want to be clear to people too that some of the challenges I think that we've hurt ourselves in the church too is we tell people, you know, what, what's the standard answer we always tell people? Either I'll be praying for you or you should pray about it. Mm-hmm. Trust me, that happens. It doesn't mean life's not going to be any more difficult. Oh. And I think that we've hurt ourselves a little bit sometimes in the church because we tell people, well, you just need to give it to God. Well, I am. It doesn't mean it's easier sometimes. It doesn't mean he's not present or not listening, but it doesn't mean that it's not it's it's not easy. And and we have had those conversations, I, I can tell you, and I— I won't say the young girl's name. I remember distinctly, I can see her mom's face and the little girl next to her. She was a pound and 13 ounces in the NICU. And her her mom just had that lost look on her face. And we stopped to pray with her. She did not have a faith background. You could see the, the empty, the lost feeling like I don't even know where to go. And I've thought about that little girl and her mom a lot over the last 15 years about what happened to them. And so I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it in that space. You can see just that look of wander is what I tell people. It's it's a it's a look of wander about where do I go.
0: And I mean we you know, the Bible says we will experience hardships. That's right. And try so I mean you should not expect to go through life unscathed. uh, uh, That's right.
1: Yeah. It rains on the just and the unjust. It's very clear in scripture about about those things. But you know, one of the things that, that I've I mean we've we've shared some of these stories intermittently about faith. I mean when you talk about Moses having to go talk to Pharaoh, well the Lord provided Aaron for him because Moses said I can't speak, right? And I'm, you know, there's been people that said did he have a lisp? Did he stutter? have a hard ability to yeah. communicate, stuttering? There are spaces that that the Lord will use people regardless of ability if we make ourselves available to that. Yeah. And he has certainly done that with Kinsley. I mean the impact that she's made on people, I could never do that ever. And she does it because it's pure. I think people see pureness, and they, you can see the wheel spinning like that's not fair. Yeah. And, and we had a lot of people say that to us, you know, that's not right, not fair. I was like, well, why not happen to us? Because it shouldn't happen to me makes my story more powerful because people are like it shouldn't happen to them. They're the good Christian couple who's done everything right, who haven't hurt anybody, who go to church. Well, why not me? What makes me any different than somebody? I'd rather it be me than somebody that's got a, a foundation of belief than it for people that would become even angrier at God, and not even listen to those stories of the gospel or, or people that would attempt to be ministering to them.
0: Are there some are, are there things that hardships you've gone through? you talked about just you you know as a, a helping Kinsley, mm-hmm. migraines, arthritis, back problems, all that kind of stuff. Are there things that you tried that didn't work out so well that you had to adjust in, in your family specifically? Yeah.
1: yeah, I think the hard part sometimes is you've got to accept accept reality, and and Rebecca, my wife, has talked about that a lot. She's talked about in her own personal testimony. She uses the acronym of Frog, fully rely on God, mm-hmm. and she said one day that it just she was crying and just upset and it hit her before as she was taking a shower to go somewhere that she just gave it to God and she said ever since then she's been being at you can be at peace and not be happy <laughs> and ever since then i think she's been at peace about that but understanding that it's still really hard and so she got to that point way better than i have i still pray for Kinsey to be healed but only if it's in the lord's will and I think that's more my human side to say, look, this is somebody I love more than anybody on the planet. Can you help me? Right. But my story wouldn't be written the way it is if, if she was healed or if things did happen differently. So it has created some real challenges for us to say, it's not that things don't work. We just have to accept the reality of what our life looks like compared to everybody else's and, Remember that they're not in our shoes. So I, I, whether it's resentment, going to the beach, we can't do that. Going to wherever, we can't do that. They're your kid playing sports, mine's never going to do that. And not letting that become so bitter that you start rejecting the Lord as saying, you did this. You could have stopped it because I prayed every day about her health and you didn't do it. So then how does how does your faith become transformed through that? I think that's surface level versus root level faith.
0: And there's a couple of things that you said that struck me. One is your wife giving it to God. Mm-hmm. And we hear that a lot, too, give it to God, like you said. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we don't take action. Yep. You can give it to God, and I, I do think he will help you process and handle it different, yep. but you still need to take action and take steps to deal with whatever that is that situation is.
1: That's right. I mean, if you think about it, look, look to Isaiah when the Lord said he needed somebody. Somebody had to step up and said, here I am, you know, send me. Send me. Yeah. Somebody has to go, you know, and I think we confuse that sometimes by saying, well, nothing's required of me in my Christian and faith journey. And that's not true. I mean, I think there are tons of instances in Scripture, and even in our own walks of life, people that have impacted you because they've taken initiative to say, let's talk about this, let me minister to you, let me provide counsel, let me provide mentoring. And I think we have created that, and I think a little bit that's where the church has kind of become really lax. Is we've not we've forgotten that we're actually foot soldiers in His army. You know, and the old kids song, "I'm in the Lord's Army," you know, all those things. We are. We're to build the kingdom. We're to go out to people. It's part of the Great Commission. And I don't think we've done that, understood in a really effective way that there are action steps that are required of us too, and. Are we doing it or are we not doing it? And if we're not, then I think there's time for some self evaluation here to say, man, I really know somebody that's lost that I'm going to get to them. And I don't, I, I'm not sure the church in North America has the urgency that we need that I know other countries have because we have everything we need here. Mm-hmm. And we'll never admit it. And I'm going to say something that's going to make you guys think I'm going to burn. We've created a culture in North America where we don't think we need God, and we start to believe that.
0: We said the exact same thing last week, right, or maybe the week before. Yeah, the exact same thing Mm -hmm. because of all the amenities and comforts we have.
1: It's hard for me to go. I'm in control. That's right. We've made it so easy. Yeah, we've made it very easy, and it's hard for me to go to somebody (laughs) making 200 grand saying there's something missing in your life that you don't know about. Yep. Yep. Because they just don't see it, Mm -hmm. and that's what creates the devil's playground to me is. The devil, I don't think I and my wife and I have talked about this and and some other folks in in our space. You know, we've talked about the the devil doesn't always try to get you to believe in him. He just doesn't want you to believe in who Jesus is. Yep. yep. He 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 in the garden, he never said reject that. He just said, well, why is that? Yeah. He gets you to question, mm-hmm. and then question turns into I don't need that because I question it in my own knowledge and wisdom as a human. Yeah. He's got you at that point, and and if we're not careful, we've allow Church allows itself to get in that mentality. We got to chase people as if their life depends on it because it does. Yeah. And we don't.
0: Money, prestige, popularity. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Anything that. Takes you away from God. It's taking you away from God. Yeah. So, I, there
1: was yeah. a story, and I don't want to keep interrupting oh, you. Yeah, just, I just think good. it's important. There's a there, <laughs> you, we're, we're I was here for you. Well, we're I know you've got, I, I don't want to be like, I know you've got your structure and stuff, but <laughs> no, it's, I think it's no no important th- for people to hear. <laughs> we don't. We don't. you have
0: not. If you haven't one. seen
1: enough
3: episodes,
0: we have no show. Yeah. No. Why, why do you think I'm here? No, there you go.
1: Right. <laughs> we I, I listened to a sermon online one time that really hit me really hard about this, and and it was uh, it was a gentleman that was uh, an evangelist who was in Africa, and he was going to do a revival series there, and and he lands and he he's met by the pastor and and they're driving to the church from the airport because his, his uh, service has started the next day, so he wanted to go look at the church and get the layout of the land and all that stuff, and he said as he was driving to church, he realized there was people walking the road and. And, and got closer to the church, and he realized they were standing in front of the church. And he asked the pastor, he goes, what are, what are they doing? And he said, they're getting in line for your service tomorrow. And he's like, well, how'd they get here? And he's like, they walked. And he's like, well, where'd they walk from? And he said, well, they walked from the village, the next village over. And he said, well, how far is that? And he said, six to eight miles. Wow. They did that every night for a week. And he said, it just kept convicting him. And he turned around and went back to the airport and, and this the pastor took him back and some of the folks from the church and and he said as he was leaving, he said, The pastor said to you, I want you to know that we're praying for your the church in North America. And he was like, Well, thank you, you know, thank you, but what what are you praying for? And he said, We're we're praying for you or what are you praying about? He said, We're we're praying that you get challenged because your faith is weak. And he said at that point he didn't know whether to be offended or or to be inquisitive about, well, what do you mean by that? And, and he said exactly what we just talked about five minutes ago. He said, he said, your faith is weak because you don't need God. He said, over here, all we have is God. And that's why our faith is strong. And I was just like, I get it. And, and I've then challenged myself since then is how do you start creating your story about, man, there's something that you're missing in a world that has everything that they need. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for us to tell that story, but we have to pursue people because they're lost.
3: We had a family here that hosted a um, a family from Africa mm-hmm. in their home here and said the same thing. Like, you, mm-hmm. ha- you have little faith because, you know what, when you have a headache, you go over there to that medicine cabinet, and when we have a headache, we pray about it. That's right. right. Or, you know, th- there was a funny story where he um, took him to, he needed to pull through an ATM yeah. and to get money out, and they looked at him like, you know, you just pull you up just the machine and it just just yeah. spits out money yeah. and he's like, well, no, not exactly, but right. he's like, over there we have to pray for jobs, we have to pray for these things, and it's just, just, you know, yeah. basically exactly what you said, that we have little faith um, and what our reliance on ourselves to yeah. go out there and do or get
1: what we yeah. need. We do, we have people in the Middle East being beheaded because they won't recant, and we have people leaving our churches because of the music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Think about what I just said there. Truth. So when Truth. we talk about the depth of our faith, what they're saying is you you have faith because it's convenient. Mm-hmm. We have faith because that's all we have, and that is massively impactful.
0: There's a I think it's a Disney movie, Wall-E, set in the future, little robot. I think uh, you know cleaning up the Earth. There
1: was a not quite Skynet, right? Yeah, not, for, qu- <laughs> not quite. But uh, make sure we're not going that. No, direction. no, no, no.
0: But the. Uh, there was a nuclear war or something, and yeah. and people are living in space on a spaceship. And now, I mean, they have their own little chairs with a screen. Their fat everything is delivered to them. Yeah, uh-huh. they don't even you know they converse with other people through their screen, screen on their yeah. chair. Yeah, they don't physically talk. And right, the... that's very true to life though sure. in, in America. Sure, uh, yeah. uh, in many ways that uh, uh, just distraction and convenience and all that. Uh, I think churches are about.
1: struggling. We're still struggling with that post-COVID yeah. because people got comfortable sitting in Absolutely. I'm in church at home. Yeah. And you lose the impact of community oh, yeah. and and all of those conversations that are important our pastor talks about it all the time. I'm sure you guys to some extent have run into it in your own church faith-based community here at Parkway about how do we get people back now? Mm-hmm. Because now they feel like they don't miss it. Yeah. And it lets you go to the Titans game because you're watching church at home. Yeah. It lets you go to your kids' game because you can watch church at home and then leave. Yeah. And we lose that relational component and it's it's that's hard to make up on a screen.
0: It's putting distractions yep. in, you mm-hmm. know it's on the TV. I'm in the yeah. kitchen cooking. That's right. Right. But it's on the that's TV. Right. Great technology to yeah. get through something like COVID, mm-hmm. but like with everything good, Satan's gonna try
1: that's and twist right. it. That's right. You know, so no, I think not, not a replacement a, uh, for being being no, in the service. No, yeah. still not. Yeah, a.
4: Well, I was gonna say it's a, like you said, it's a great technology, and I think it helps certain people that maybe can't make it physically sure. in. Sure. But I think, like y'all said, there's there's excuses that are made to oh, I don't have to go. It's right here. Yeah. yeah. So, but I yeah. think it is a great technology. We yeah. do use it for people that are, you know, maybe in not hospice it's per se, shut-ins. but like shut-ins yeah. that yeah. kind of thing, yeah. where they get that opportunity to still go and see people they know based just because of that.
1: Right, right.
4: Ron Ron is I said Ron is But they take advantage (laughs) of it. (laughs) (laughs) They do.
0: (laughs) So, Kinsley, obviously, is kind of a passion for you. Sure. That has translated into your current position. Do you just... Something else I I wanted to kind of ask about was, are you confined just to Tennessee, or does Tennessee collaborate with other states Mm -hmm. and work on a federal level, or... Or is it just every state's on their own?
1: All of it. So we're on our own. He said yes. We work, Right, it's really <laughs> That's right yes. Great question. Yeah, Great. it's really yes. Next, but next. We, we do work with different states on what they're doing, um, how they're implementing programs, what that might look like. In fact, I'm going to D.C. Monday for the National Conference of State Disability Directors to have those same conversations. What are you doing? Why would you guys do it this way? What does it look like? Have you thought about this? So there is some of that cross-collaboration between states, Um, but we're only responsible, obviously, for what goes on in Tennessee. But that doesn't mean we pick the brains of other people that are kind of in that same space. And it is interesting because some of them, a lot of them, in fact, report up through a department. They don't have their own standalone department. So there is some unique conversation when it comes from, well, what what does so-and-so make you do? Well, we are so-and-so, you know, so we don't have to do it that way. And we're able to create policy or or a plan or operational goals based on what we see, and we don't necessarily have to go get that approved by somebody else. So, uh, the, the like you said, right, the answer is yes to all of that. <laughs> so we work here, we work with other states, we work nationwide, but, yeah.
0: Ashley, you have those travel arrangements taken care of. She Mo- does. Monday and, will
1: be here quick. Yes, and you know what? They got approved today. <laughs> see, that's good, and I saw that. And My highest level of anxiety with her is, Ashley, you got to get the boarding pass for Southwest, like as soon as it goes, I can't be in like C and C stands for C. Ter- yes, and I felt terrible because she was like, she had to do it. In, she had to do it during church, and mm. she was like, I left Sunday school to do. I was like, oh gosh, like don't leave Sunday school. Pay the fifteen yes, dollars
3: and let them check you in.
1: I saw that and I thought, hmm, that's not a bad idea. But it's taxpayer dollars. I'm trying to be a good, solid fiscal conservative here, and I don't want to. We waste can vote on that dollars. right here, right? There you yeah. go. That's right. Your taxpayers. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> She's got it though I she did. She thank God for Ashley. Yes, see And I felt when she said that I thought, oh God and my wife, She's less than impressed by my position title sometimes, and it's not funny how that. I'm doesn't, not the commissioner yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. when it becomes. Mm. You need when, to stop being mean to Ashley and don't make her do this stuff. And you should be doing all that. And so we we joke about that. I I hear Ashley has a strong defender in my house.
0: It's uh, <laughs> it's real funny how none of those titles or authority levels mm. they they don't follow yeah. you through the front door. Would right. be nice <laughs> sometimes, yeah. but that that does and not it, happen. The trash is over there waiting. <laughs> you on you like, okay. didn't <laughs> take it out. Yes. Yeah. Got that janitor title? That's right. Do you? Yeah, I do the
1: trash all the time. It's Sunday nights because it goes Monday morning, so I've got a routine down.
0: Yeah, (laughs) the the trash is a point of contention in my house because we have a 17 year old and a 12 year old. Okay, and you should have permanent trash takers. That's right. We we do, and and to be honest, I probably (laughs) take the trash out the fewest (laughs) amount of time, like. No. Percentage wise compared to everyone else in my house. Mm-hmm. Wife included. But my here's my pet peeve is they will take the trash out and not put another trash bag in. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're already there. And you've I'm already
1: gonna. thrown something away yeah. when you see it? No, I don't do that. Okay, because that would have that'd be yeah. even worse
0: Because I would have to go get that out. I have but, done that. But uh I'm like I mean, it's fifty percent. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you're I, in baseball, say, it's a Hall of Famer. That's right. I, yep, I would say exactly. that's an done all-time great. Eighty-five percent of the work. Okay, <laughs> just finish that out. That's why right. That new bagging. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to say that Ashley's talking bad about her husband Brock. Already. That's
1: right. <laughs> so next episode about marriage. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Featuring Ashley and Brock. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you would like to see? tennessee do in the future maybe that helps your department
1: yeah i mean we're always looking for folk we don't want to miss people so it's all these conversations around how do we get to people that we're missing um and i tell our guys that a lot who do we miss today that we got to make sure we don't miss tomorrow so we're always looking at opportunities to figure out how to better partner with churches how to partner with different communities to better understand the needs of of local areas i mean it's it's outside of my own core beliefs on um, what most efficient government is, local folks know local issues. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to say, well, from Nashville, here's what needs to happen in Unicoy County. You know, We want to work with groups that are around those areas and understanding, hey, how do we better serve as a department? Um, And you can set high-level strategy and operational things, say we want to reach more people, and we do, and that's the goal. But ultimately, it's going to come down to we've got to continue to develop these partnerships and relationships with churches and and individuals and communities and, and advocates for disability progress inside the state of Tennessee to make sure that we're not guessing what the need is, but we're actually listening to them and understanding what the needs are. Government is notorious for saying, hey, we need better free, you know, better interstates. So to fix that, what we're going to do is we're going to give you trash service. (laughs) And you're like, you didn't even listen to what we said we needed, guys, you know. So the governor has very aggressively challenged us to say, what are you doing to help meet the needs of 6.8 million Tennesseans? And he has said that from day one that if there's a space where you need to help, we need to help. If there's an area that government doesn't need to be involved because private sector is doing it better, serving more people and doing it more efficiently, you need to let them do it and partner with them in areas that make the most sense. So it's really a combination of all those things, helping more people but making sure that we're finding the right people to help us on that journey.
0: You said earlier you you wanted to share um, how God brought you to the role you're in now.
1: Yep. Let's hear it. It's it's. It's purely it's it's an unbelievable faith journey. So, probably the day after the governor got elected, I got an email from the group, you know, from his transition team saying, "Hey, would you be interested in applying? You know, sending in your resume." I was like, "Absolutely!" You know, and and let me give you kind of a backstory there a little bit about why I was I was a very early supporter of the governor's, believed in what he was doing, understood what his vision was, it aligned very much with how I saw things too, and and just really appreciated his testimony when I heard him give his testimony about how the Lord had been with him through really challenging times in his life and stories that he had shared, and and that attracted me to him as a candidate. And so um, they sent me an email saying, hey, would you send your resume? I was like, yeah, absolutely, you know, and I was really excited about that. I didn't hear anything for two months. Well, what were you doing? Yeah, uh, so yeah, I worked for a company called Healthstream Incorporated here in Nashville. I was their director of client services. Loved the company, still love the company, just was over there the other day, Speaking about uh, Disability Employment Month, which is in October, for a program they have called Lunch and Learn. So had a great experience there as a professional and as a person. Loved the company. Was working for them at the time. So submit my resume, send in all my stuff, didn't hear anything. Well, so we get to the first Sunday of 2019, and a friend of mine, a young man who has cerebral palsy, uh, said, hey, would you mind coming to to support me tonight? I'm going to be preaching at, at MTSU's campus church. I'd love for you to be there. And I was like, sure, you know, I want to go support you and and all that, you know. And so we get there, and he he starts into his sermon. He says, hey, it's, it's a brand-new year, guys, and um, I, I know you don't know each other. You may not know each other. I want you to get in a group of five or six people and tell them what you want the Lord to do for you in 2019, you know. So we get in a circle, and I don't know – I don't know any of the folks there and um so I just kind of say hey I I want the Lord to open the right door for me that he wants me to walk through and and close the ones I don't need to and for me to know the difference I said he knows where my heart is and and I that that's my hope for 2019 you know so don't think anything of it we pray I get to work the next day at hellstream I'm in the meeting in the middle of a meeting see a number on my phone I don't recognize I was like I'm not going to leave the meeting and take a call I don't know and get a text minute text 10 minute later says Brad this is um this is uh, Butch Ely who happened to be the governor's transition chief um we'd like to talk to you and I was like whoa what is this about um (laughs) about an hour later I get an email from them saying hey could you come over tomorrow meaning Tuesday and talk to us about you know some positions or something I was like yeah this is awesome and get it set up, I'm to go over there at two o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, and as I'm driving from Hellstream, I remember my prayer request, Lord, open the right door, let me to know when it's the right one, and close the one that you don't want me to walk through, and I thought, well, there's no way that this is happening this quickly, you know, so we get there and have the conversation through the interview, and and as we're talking, I, I didn't even know what the position was, they didn't tell me anything, that it was more, I think, just to, to, it's like, get, to it's like you're, yeah. get to know yeah. you. Like it's it's almost speed dating to a lesser extent, <laughs> but a much more serious level of <laughs> yeah. speed dating.
0: Is this guy going to be a political disaster? That's right. I
1: mean, that's really what it is. Is is at that point, he's the governor is responsible for whether you're a good hire or not, and your reactions didn't reflect. Well, that's your fault because you hired him. You know, so it, it that's exactly what it was. So as we're going through that conversation. I they I, I asked them kind of like well what what position you know what what are we talking about what are you interested in and and they said well the Department of Intellectual Developmental Disabilities and I said well do you know that my daughter has disabilities and probably half of them in the room had no idea and they just looked at each like they did what you just did like well that's interesting funny how the universe brought you here, you know, <laughs> all the same right? stuff. What a coincidence, <laughs> you know, this is a great and, Tuesday. And, <laughs> that's right. And at that point I'm locked in like, wow, there's no way he's working that fast, you know? And so um, we're having, you know, we have a great conversation. I leave there and they said, Hey, you know, you're not the candidate. Like there's a lot of people we're talking to. And I think they were just kind of resetting the hope that I had was like, Hey, you're the guy, but say, Hey, we got to get this right. There's a lot of folks we're going to talk to. So they said, you may have to do a background check, yada, yada, yada. Cool. No problem. You know, so that night I get the email that says, hey, you know, need you to fill this form out and all these good things, you know, and that's that's Wednesday morning I get it and I have to get my transcript. And then they said, you know, we'll tell you by Friday what our decision is. I was like, that's in two and a half days, yeah. you know. And so the whole time I had not shared this with my wife because historically she has dealt with. Um, challenging anxiety and and knew that HellStream was providing for Kinsley. I mean that was that's a major factor in any family about insurance benefits, yeah. specifically with families of children with disabilities. Everything Kinsley needed was being met through our insurance plan, you know. And and we're at my parents' house that Wednesday night, and and I walk in the door to we go to dinner at my parents' house every week, and you know she says, why did I just get a call from the TBI? <laughs> and I was that's like, never good. "That's never right. good." Like, <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I can, pic- I can still picture no. it. And I and I said, "Well,
0: we thought not taking out the trash." That's right. <laughs> good point. <laughs> TBI really comes calling, point.
1: and my parents are standing there looking at me, you know. And I said, "Well, you know, that meeting I told you to pray about, I think was probably a job interview for the governor's, you know, administration." And they were just kind of like, "Yeah, okay, you know, <laughs> okay." But I think. Then the phone call happened, and I think they were kind of like, well, man, they wouldn't have just done that if they don't just do that if they're not serious, you know? So, anyway, um, we go through Thursday, I have to go do fingerprints and all these things. And, I, and I'll get to the store. I promise no, I know I'm wasting your time. Not I'll, at I'll all. speed it up. No, but, no, 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 no. Um, We get to Friday. I'm driving into work. I'm really excited, and I pray on the way in, like, Lord, whatever happens, I, I believe you. But what, whatever happens, I believe you. You know where my heart is. You know what I want to do. Whatever happens, I believe you and nothing no phone call didn't nothing happen on that friday and and i'm driving home and i'm i'm upset and i just started praying like lord don't let me become bitter like i've got 30 people i'm managing right now that are counting on me to be what i was a week ago don't let me become bitter and angry and take it out on them because that's not fair you know and and all that stuff so um, the next day i had volunteered to help at a bible quizzing event at our church and went there, and, and people were asking me, you know, hey, are you going to try to work for the governor? And at this point, you know, they're, they're always keeping those things close to the vest. They don't want people, media knowing who the candidates are and people and all that stuff. And I said, I mean, you know, I'd love to, but inauguration is in a week. I haven't heard anything, you know. I don't know what's going to happen, you know. So I um, had to leave early that after the Bible quiz and to, to go home. Rebecca and I, um, I get invited every year to speak um, at the Rutherford County Employees Dinner. And, and do the uh, the benedi- or the invocation prayer and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff because I was a Rutherford County Commissioner before I started this job too. And as I'm driving home, it's as if I feel the Holy Spirit say, check your text messages. And I was like, check my text message. My phone didn't ring. And I turned over my phone. There was one text. And I thought, what is going on? I clicked it and it said, Brad, this is Butch. The governor's appointing you. He's calling. And I just threw the phone in my car. And I thought, what in the world just happened from my prayer request on Sunday night to Saturday afternoon? Did he move that quick? And it created just an unbelievable whirlwind of what is going on because was taking my wife out that night. We don't get to go out a lot. I wasn't fixing to ruin it by saying, "By the way, I'm quitting on Monday, my job." But here's where. But it's what, just what more, about interest? That's right. Here's where it, it's just more and more of the Lord putting those pieces together that you don't see. Um, and the funny part of this that I didn't add was as we were driving there, the governor was calling my phone, and she was sitting next to me. I just took my phone. I kind of slowly turned it over so she wouldn't see why does it say Bill Lee is calling you. And I get there, and all of a sudden, when, we're, when we're, I'm sitting there across from a friend, the first question they asked me is, oh, can I ask you a question? I was like, absolutely. He said, what are we doing to help adults with disabilities in Tennessee? And I thought, man, if you knew the phone call I just got. And Rebecca was sitting next to me, and I couldn't react. And then I got that question again later from somebody leaving like, well, what are you doing right now? And Rebecca and I reflected on this later. and She said she kept trying to figure out why is everybody asking him what he's doing now? Here's where the other part of this ties in to, to the whole story that I want your listeners to understand. The whole time Rebecca told me that her and her mom, the Lord was working on them too about this where her mom called her out of the blue and said, I just feel like whatever's going to happen, it's going to be okay. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And this was—they never told me this story until well later about it, but Rebecca had been praying about it, and I think that was kind of the fear factor was, well, I don't want it to be okay. But the Lord kept sending some sort of calming presence to them, like whatever's going to happen, it's going to be okay. But that's kind of my faith journey, and, and I tie it in. I, I say all that to say this. Those 12 years from when Kenzie was born until I was appointed by the governor was my 40 years in the wilderness. <laughs> the Israelites had to go through that to know what to do to get in the promised land. land. I had to go through that to understand what it was like to be the best commissioner I could be yeah. because I can go to them with authority to say I was in the desert too, mm-hmm. and I still am. Mm -hmm. So you've got an ally and an advocate here in that role. And that's how the Lord navigated all of these pieces. So when you're driving home and I'm coming home from the hospital in 2006 thinking, how did this happen? I couldn't see it. Right. I know why it happened now. Yeah. And it's not that he did it, but what's one of my favorite scriptures, all things work together for the good of those Mm -hmm. who are called according to his... I mean, look at me. Yeah. And I tell people that let my story be part of an encouragement to you about your testimony. Yeah, like what the devil meant for evil, the Lord's using it for good. So yeah. now instead of helping one Kinsley, I'm helping fifty thousand.
0: Yeah, and God is going to use awesome. whatever is going on in our lives yes, right. for His plan. Right, and, and,
1: and that's what I want yeah. listeners to understand is it's this is this is just the this is the hurt before the healing.
0: As much as we think we know and we can see, mm-hmm. there's a much bigger viewpoint mm-hmm. that we right. can't even imagine. Really. Right. Absolutely. And and
1: I I told Ashley that I said Ashley, you're not here by chance. Yeah. You know, an employee that 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 that, my, that recommended Ashley for this, like Ashley's not here by chance. I I don't believe in any of that. I think I believe in divine appointment yeah. in 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 all of our lives.
0: I feel like I might be raining on a, a really great impactful moment we've been <laughs> having, but. Did you answer the governor's call right there, or you just ignored it? <laughs> no, you know no. what's funny that about it was big league right there. It was like, no. I did not,
1: and what's funny is I've still got the voicemail that he left me that night on my phone, and he said that on the voicemail he goes, "Hey, I don't I don't normally do this, but I beyond excited that that you're joining the team, and I think we've got a lot of good things. I'll I'll play it for you after we're off air, but it's." it's <laughs> I did not get there's it. That and there's that subscription model right <laughs> That's there. That's right. The good stuff afterwards. We, That's we, right. We,
0: we tell, we tell <laughs> like everybody that. all the Parkway best... Parkway Premium <laughs> or the, something you could call it. <laughs> yes. All the best stories happen when we stop That's recording because right. people yeah. can go into more detail yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah sure. And, and so we, no, I
1: did not answer it, yeah. um, and I'm trying to remember... Man, I want to say I don't even know if I called him back <laughs> at the time, and and I just and I mean and is that they, considered uh, like a no call no show? No, right? no, no. Thank <laughs> the Lord it wasn't. I mean because it it now you've really got my head. I don't know if I even called him back, <laughs> um, or I might have tried and he didn't answer. And and at that point it was go time. We were a week out from inauguration, so all hands on deck of getting to the 20th and, and yeah, here we are.
0: I just know my conceited self, if I was the governor and I called somebody and they did not answer, I'm not going to answer when they <laughs> called <back. laughs> Who was number two on that list? That's <laughs> right. Who's the other guy or gal that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that we were going to uh, appoint?
1: Yeah. This Brad guy, I'm not so sure. Well, but even <laughs> when you look at that part that I tell people and I, and, and the governor will tell you this, you know, he was at 5% in the polls and it just didn't matter to me and and the lord navigated his path and he tells people that all the time is is he prayed for running for governor for 18 months before he announced it a lot of people don't know that but he started feeling the call to consider it in in 2016 or so 2015 wow. and he prayed for a full year and a half about it fasting and and just felt like even in his space, you know, because I remember even when I was supporting him early on, a lot of my friends were like, what are you doing? And I said, I just, I think he's the right guy. And little did I know. And and we've laughed about that since then. Like, what the heck are we doing here? <laughs> but again, the Lord uses imperfect people for his perfect will.
0: That's right. Absolutely. That's Whatever whatever that is, wherever, doesn't have to be a state level official. That's right. Wherever you are, he's right. using That's you.
1: That's right. That's yeah. exactly right.
0: I did think about another shirt.
1: Your
3: wife's acronym, Frog. Yeah,
1: yeah. fully rely on God. Uh, I hilarious. I remember her telling me that she wrote it in a devotional. She spoke about it at a at a women's event, and that has been her mantra the whole time with Kinsley. Is is I gave her it was never ours. She was never ours to begin with. All I'm doing is giving it back and saying whatever you want. I'm going to be okay with it. And she she has been. I mean, she's been better at it than I have. And that's been her whole story as Frog. Yeah.
0: One day, not anytime soon, but one day you, you will transition out of this current role as mm-hmm. a commissioner for the mm-hmm. state. What would be next? Where would you want to go? What would you want to do?
1: I mean it's it's going to be the standard church answer. It's I, I, <laughs> I want to do whatever the Lord wants me to do and that's that's the only answer I've ever really known. Um, that doesn't mean I don't have my own interests. I love public service. I, you know, I love mentoring. I love private sector work. So I don't know what it would look like because it seems so far away, even though it's not. But it's really about where can I impact the kingdom the most. And I do firmly mean that when I say that. Um, so whatever that might look like, the Lord already knows. I just have to be faithful to it.
0: It's a very hard thing to do, but you have already lived that in your life, experienced that of relying on God. So it, it's a little easier for you. That doesn't mean it's easy. That's right. But I mean that's in smaller ways I've experienced that. We've all experienced sure. that. And sure. Man, that'd be the a key is a telling prayer, that story. Prayer for people to to tell them and, yep. and for them to be able to realize and and have that faith. I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. But God's got it.
1: That's right that's right and and it doesn't mean you're okay with it yeah but that's I mean remember the Lord kind of asked God in the garden you know take this cup from me if there's any way to do this outside yeah. of this take it from me yeah and and that goes I, back he had the same question about I'm gonna do it anyway
0: that goes straight back to what you were praying for and are praying for for Kinsley that's right please heal her yep but if, if that's not what you want that's right let me walk in that's what right. you want. That's right. Because I mean, he wants. He says, yeah. "Tell me what you want. Tell yeah. me what you feel. Tell me what you think." That's right. That doesn't mean that that's what's <laughs> going to happen. Right. But yeah, I mean, we can't hide that from God. He knows our feelings. Right. He knows our thoughts.
1: But yeah, and I think we confuse that sometimes that no answer is a rejection. And I don't, I don't buy that. Yeah, it could just mean not now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But look, if he did it, I would have never been here. I mean you just think about those things and I think we lose sight of that sometimes in his providence and wisdom <laughs> he's batting a thousand <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah. so why would I keep fighting that yeah. but we do it in our humanness I mean we so. just say I can do it better and I I I'm more worried you know he's not as worried as I am and he doesn't see it the way I do and and yeah he sees he sees it all. Better, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably
0: <laughs> not batting a thousand today. <laughs> I am for sure not batting a thousand this week. And you know, to go for uh all of creation. Yeah. Is pretty much out of my uh yeah. abilities there. <laughs> anything that we uh have not covered or talked about that you want to talk no, about?
1: No, I mean it was it's it's I just I want to try to be encouragers to people. And you know, I think the older I get, the more I understand eternity matters more every day about what's going to happen. And I think all of us as believers and even non-believers, I mean, everything that we do and how we operate our lives is built around one question, who is Jesus Christ? You love people based on that answer. You work based on that answer. You live based on that answer. You worship based on that answer. It's the only question that's going to be mattered, and it's the only question that you're going to be asked at the end is, did I know you or did I not know you? That's a heavy, heavy thing to bear, and and that's how I've tried to live my life is hopefully reflective of that, and the older I get, the more I understand the urgency around making sure that people know who he is and not just who I say he is. Yeah, absolutely. And there's
3: a gentleman that goes to church here, Ralph Hurst, and he always gives the devotion about the dash of your life. So that's like, it. You know, you're, you're born in yeah. 84, yeah. and then what are you doing if you're fortunate to live a hundred years on this planet that's right? right and in the grand scheme of things it's like a you know a speck of sand for eternity that's right, right. and so like what are you doing to make a difference today
1: for the kingdom that's right so. that's that's yep. it and it can be little things I think sometimes you know we trick ourselves in thinking it's got to be big things but if you give a drink of water in his name he said that not me you give a cup of water in my name yep that matters.
4: As far, as far as, like, the mental health part, aspect of it, like with homeless people and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, is there anything that y'all do with that aspect So of
1: it? a lot of that historically has fallen under the Department of Mental Health. Um, okay. But, yes, that's a space that we're always looking at because it's easy for us to throw out labels, you know, yeah. and, and create that. Well, they did that to themselves. Yeah. yeah. And, and you don't know that, you know. And, and the way that I always try to look at it, and, and I've – you know, talk to Ashley, and I don't know if you guys have children. Of course, I, you, I know you do. Yeah. If that was your Kinsley, what would you want somebody to do?
4: Anything, judge, and everything help they them. can. That's yeah. right.
1: So we try to take that into these conversations about that's somebody's Kinsley, that's somebody's Teagan, that's somebody's. I'm not sure your daughter's name or child's yeah. name, but that's what would you want them to do? And so right. we always look at that when you're talking about how do we want to expand, what do we want to do in the future those are communities that we need to penetrate yeah. because they're already not getting help. And it's clear that there are challenges yeah. there that are not being met um, or that have never even been addressed. So we do look at that. A lot of it right now falls under mental health, but we've right, working. Okay. I mean, we've had conversations with veteran services. We yeah. have conversations with department of corrections about how do we serve inmates that might have disabilities that, that prison isn't the right place for them right? because yeah. they're taking advantage of there are challenges there. And a lot of those things that, yeah. that, You know, traditional communities and typical communities don't even know exist. Yeah. But, you know, if you know better, you do better. So also we want to bring awareness to people to say, man, I need the church to step up and do what we've been commissioned to do. And that's a population that needs help. So we're always looking at things like that. We're not anywhere where we need to be, but we're much better off in those conversations than we were a year ago. Right. Okay. Sweet. Sweet. Good question, though, because yeah. it's well, I mental just think health about, is a massive. I think about the homeless. Challenge. I think
4: about you know these parents that are in shelters mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. that have kids mm-hmm. that maybe have disabilities or whatever, and just yep. like what what do we do to help?
1: Yeah. So right, that's right, and and that becomes the challenge where we lean on. <clears throat> excuse me, we lean on faith based communities. Yeah. If your first answer in the church is to say, well, the government should be doing more, we've are we, we're already <laughs> right. we've already lost exactly. because yep. our kingdom building should be built around how do we see a need and go to meet it. Yeah, I exactly. mean, I don't think, you know, when the man came to the Lord and said, my daughter is sick, I don't think he said, well, go to the Department of Health. <laughs> he went to the house, right? Yeah. He yeah. went to the house exactly. and said, let, let me do something. And we're the hands and feet. So yeah. we've got to we've got to keep doing better, right? And and I think we will.
0: We finish every episode with a Bible verse. You know that today we are in First Peter, chapter three, fifteen through seventeen. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered. Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer f- for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So great uh great verse that goes along with Commissioner Brad Turner's story today. Thank you so much for being here. It yeah, thanks awesome. for having me. I really enjoyed my time and, here. And I appreciate I know you, you guys. You just kind of scratched the surface of a lot of things, but uh, very very, very Good stuff. Thank you. Learned about it. politics, well, there's a lot
4: of people out there that probably didn't even know that information. So I didn't yeah. know, I didn't yeah, know, it at I all. didn't know it at all. So you did a great job. And
1: I, and I would add this: if you do have listeners that are in Tennessee that have loved ones that may have disabilities, please have them reach out to us because we have a lot of services that folks aren't aware uh, that are aware of that are available. How would we contact? That, you? Yeah, all? that was it's, one question it's we skipped our, over our yeah. website. It's if you look up DIDD Tennessee, it will pull up directly to the state website for our our department. Um, and please have those individuals go out there and reach out to us because we've got a bunch of employees that are, are geared towards helping people. So we would love awesome. to help. It's always, it's what, like I said earlier, it's always about getting to one more person every day. Yep. Awesome. So what,
0: what's the website one more time? It's
1: DIDD, and then just search State of Tennessee when you, when you Google that. Um, it's out there. All of our information is on there. You can find contact information, all the programs that are available reach out to us and we'll have someone that'll be able to get back to you and hopefully try to give you some, some assistance. Awesome.
0: There you go. D I D D and, uh, Google, Google is everybody's friend. It'll yep. pull it up for you. That's <laughs> so, right. Uh, Brad, thanks so much again for coming yeah, sure. back. Thanks and for thank having you, me. Or co- not coming back for coming in. You've already got him roped in for coming. Back. I'll be back. Be <laughs> back. I'll, I'll hey, I back. love back. doing this. Yes. I told that
1: I love doing this stuff. Yeah. It, it gives me a chance to, tell the goodness of the Lord through challenges and hopefully encourages people to say, hey, we're going to be all right.
0: Awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for listening. You know that we love you. God loves you more, but we got to go because we're going to listen to a voicemail from the governor. <laughs> so, See you next week.
1: Right when he says there's no budget to do things, I don't want to be the guy that breaks the <laughs> lights.
3: Ryan will cover it. Yeah.
1: Ryan, that's good. No. I see you. <laughs>
0: that's
4: a
1: lie. Can't hide
0: money. That's it. Oh, it's hidden somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Just not in my pockets. This is as formal as we get. That's so good. Yeah,
1: because I saw the email and it was like, don't wear a suit and tie. And and I that probably very rarely ever doesn't happen. I know. Believe me, it's not to put anybody down. No, no, guys no, dress no, no. You how you yes. need right. to we, dress. We
0: understand state officials have a
1: level. They It's gotta, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's something like that. I, <laughs> I
0: doubt Ryan can even
4: tie a tie. I can. <laughs> I can. It just clips right off. They they make me sound so dumb (laughs) all the time. time.
1: Even even when I see some folks outside of work, it confuses them. And they're thinking, well, I just sit at home in a suit and tie. (laughs) It's just part of my outfit. It's not. It's
0: like when you're a little kid and you see a teacher at the store. That's right. (laughs) You don't live at school? school. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to chime in, if you have something, just say it. We'll.
3: We have a phone in now, right? Yeah, we you should, should just call
0: phone. in. Like, they won't hear you. If you speak from there, we can hear you, but you'll just kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher on the microphone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I got one thing.
4: <clears throat> Sorry. So, <laughs> I was not about to do it on air. <laughs> <laughs> Cough on, um, your, on your mic.
3: I don't I'm a fill in. <laughs> like,
0: I, don't, you know, I, I just excuse. show up with. You you're just, not a fill in. Not a <laughs> regular. Not acceptable. <laughs> he, he is a regular. <laughs> he's off. He's been here almost as much as Ryan. True. Well, we I'll start that one over. I bet that gets out (laughs) of here. That will not make the cut. Of course it will.
4: We hope you are enjoying GPS to God. Rate, review, and subscribe across every platform you use. Help us spread the word by telling your friends and family to watch, listen, and subscribe.